Hello, dear listener of the Comics Collective. We're coming at you right off of the theme song, No Cold Open, because frankly, we're not passing a vibe check. Roll <laughs> the emotional D20. Anne and Dallas come up lacking, and Alexis comes up a chain smoker. <laughs> this That horrible sound you just heard was not a dying, dehydrated mule. It was my beloved co-host. It's Marge Simpson. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, you sound rough, my Jesus friend. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but happy Easter. <laughs> we are the Comics Collective, the weekly comic book podcast where we talk about some of our favorite graphic novels, comic book storylines, larger collected runs. And I am one of your hosts, Dallas. I'm Alexis. <laughs> and I'm Anne. <laughs> and bear with me, please. Oh, Everyone's loving it right now. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to be everyone's favorite episode. Yeah, just because of your voice. Coughs escapes and then we'll all just go deaf together. <laughs> that is probably the case. You're probably right. Um, this week, we're doing a good one. Honestly, we will be covering Tom King, Bilquis Evely, Mateus Lopez, Clayton Cowles. I'm doing this all for memories. I'm pulling it up. Um, <laughs> I think you got it. I think that's I, it. Well, I got them all from memory. All right. Ooh, Thank boy. you. We've been the Comics Collective. I got them all. Um, we are doing Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow by the people we listed. And it's a good one. I think this one is the first one we have read that you cannot yet get in a collected edition. What? Yeah, this is the most recent book we've covered on the show. Hot off the presses. And it's so good that we just couldn't wait. Like We, we had to talk about it because a few months after this last issue came out, I am still thinking about this book. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best comics to come out in recent memory, and it is certainly my favorite Supergirl story I've ever read. Oh, yeah. So, and do you want to tell us a little bit about what Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is? Okay, so Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is the story told from the point of view of this young girl named Ruthie, who is an alien girl who watched her well didn't watch but her father was murdered by this guy creme of the yellow hills and you know that's not good we don't like it when our fathers get murdered so ruthie's like i'm gonna go and hire someone to take care of this guy and just by coincidence she happens upon supergirl who is happening to celebrate her 21st birthday on this red sun planet and manages to enlist her to hunt down Krim, but only because Krim accidentally low-key kind of stole Supergirl's ship and escaped planet and joined a gang of interstellar murderers, thieves, and other despicable people. He murdered Crypto! (laughs) Pirates, and not the gay fun kind from HBO Max. These are the bad kind. Scary pirates. (laughs) Scary space pirates. And yeah, we get to see her trip across the stars with Supergirl and just like this, what's, I, I, I keep forgetting the the film that this is a very obvious allusion to. It's True Grit. It's one there of my favorite, go. one of my <laughs> favorite movies of all That's time. such a good movie. 
It is an okay John Wayne movie and a very good Coen Brothers movie. The remake is leagues better than the original. Having seen both, I can say Jeff Bridges, way better Rooster Cogburn than John Wayne ever was. Uh And significantly less racist than John Wayne. So it's an overall win. That does does help. help. I haven't Um, seen the movie, but I I can probably assume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy cats. You got it. it. It's very good. Um, It has the actress that played Kate Bishop. It's Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, Mm -hmm. one of her first roles when she was just a youngin. Mm -hmm. She was just very small. She's very youngy and very sassy. There is the most iconic thing that I I don't even want to spoil it. Just like the end of that movie, though, is like. You will have your cowboy hat. You didn't even start the movie with a cowboy hat. You'll have your cowboy hat in hand, twirling it like Rooster Cogburn, you son of a bitch. Oh, it's it it whips. That movie whips. I love spontaneous cowboy hats. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but yeah, this book has everything. It has Supergirl, it has space pirates, it has space dinosaurs, it has trauma, it has trauma, and it has more trauma. It's interesting because this is another anthology series about a super person with a little kid by Tom King. Same basic formula that we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. but to such different effect. And I think it's so telling of how talented Tom King is and how rich of a character Kara Zor-El, Kara Zor-El, yeah, um, I, I always say Kara, but it's... Yeah, that's how I say it, Kara. Yeah, I, I flip, said Kara. Flip the coin. No one's going to cancel you. I mean, if his name's Cal, her name's Kara, so... <laughs> Baboom. Uh, Alexis, what did you think reading this after we just read Up in the Sky? I loved this book. Like, I loved it. The art knocked my socks off. I want, like... There are several splash pages that I want, like, framed. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, they are works of art. And the story reflects that as well. Like, the story itself is a work of art. So I am floored by this one. Lex, do you want to hear something that'll get you curling your little toes in excitement? <laughs> uh, in June, we are going to revisit this artist. And the writer attached will be the writer of Stardust, Neil Gaiman. And it's... Neil. Is it, no, it's not Neil Gaiman. It's, no, it's Neil, Gaiman, Neil Gaiman's overarching vision yeah. of the same universe. But it's wizard stuff. Wizards. We're going to get to see Magic Drop by Bilkis Evely. Yes. In June. <laughs> That's right on my alley, yo. Wizards. Bill- Bilquis Evely is so, so talented. Yeah, and she just came out of nowhere for me. I hadn't heard of her before this book because freaking the book we're going to be reading in June slipped completely under my radar because everything that was coming out Sandman Universe in like 2020 and 2019 just completely DC's like, we're just going to casually put that out there, not really talk about it. If anyone picks it up, then they pick it up. Great. Um, If not, that's on them. And I was amazed because I there's there's like talent in comics. Like every artist out there does a better job drawing than I ever will in my entire life. Except maybe Rob Liefeld. I might be able to edge him out a little bit. I, if I get one foot out, then I've already done it. 
um, career best for rap life. <laughs> um, but Bilquis Evely is just on another tier. She is just, she is, everyone else is playing minor leagues. She's playing major leagues. She's playing World Series. She's beyond them. What's fun is that she's not that different from the general comics creator. Like, I think of like Jim Lee as the modern ideal, right? Mm-hmm. That everyone's kind of working from Jim Lee's work with the thin, scratchy line. But it's like you, Tom King actually said this about Bill Quisevely. He said, Bill Quisevely is like if you took Jim Lee and raised him in the south of France. Yep. <laughs> that like, <laughs> there's just this European twinge where there's always a little bit of wind blowing. So like mm-hmm. everyone's hair is a little tossed. Everyone's cape is fluttering a little bit. And they're just sort of this ethereal nature to the the works of art that mm-hmm. Bill Quisevely does. I think the marriage of art and narrative here is so effective because the, there are times when the main story can be told strictly by the art. So the captions from Tom King can just be doing their own thing. Like one of my pet peeves in comics is when there are captions that tell a story at the same time, there are word bubbles that are telling a different story. I get lost every time. I have never once successfully gone through one of those pages. I'm always like, who the what's a, what's a hurt. (laughs) And that doesn't happen here. And I think it's a testament to the craft of both of these people that Bill Quist can tell this story effectively enough that we don't need those dialogue balloons. We don't need to be told what's happening in the story. So that Tom King using caption boxes for the first time since vision, which was six years earlier, can just go on these long, like poetic exposés about life, Supergirl and the meaning of the universe. I do have to say there were often times that I was swiping through it on my phone and I was like, oh yeah, words, gotta go back, gotta go back. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh yeah. But then I, I still got the story. I still know what was going on. What were... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to just... It's it's hard to get into the story without just gushing so much over the art. Because so I want to point out that Bilquis Evely is amazing. And I love her, like, the facial design for Supergirl. Something stuck out for me immediately. It has, like, this... She has, like, this really sharp nose. And I don't know why, but I love that so much. It mm-hmm. made me think of, like, the 1950s, especially with, like, a, the haircut. It was just an aesthetic that was, like, so, so pleasing. But Matthias, um, Matthias um, Lopes does phenomenal colors in this. Mm-hmm. Just all, like, I think about some of the bigger spreads when they're, like, looking into space and the skylines are never just one color. Everything's, like, blending together. And you have, like reds and blues and greens just bleeding across each other in the most mesmerizing just assortment of wonderful rainbow colors that you've ever seen in your entire life and it's, it sells the cosmic nature of this book in just a grand scale but also on a smaller scale there's just little things that i love like i love the blush that's always on her nose and her cheeks i think that's so it's such a small touch but it's something that i really appreciate this this book is alive in so many different ways. I love the different, I love the greens. I can't explain Mm -hmm. it, but like the greens in the different worlds, just like you said, it just makes it feel so alive and so tangible to us. And I just, I 
could not agree more about the coloring. It just is, it's just magical. It always sold extra, extra um, <laughs> otherworldly and just fantastical. And I think that's where Supergirl does best. And we get a lot into that in her personal story here. Because it always made sense to me that Cal's like, Earth is my place. Earth is where I grew up. Earth is the place I love. I never knew Krypton. That's whatever. But Kara is someone who, to her, Earth is just, this is refuge. This is where I went because I had nowhere else to go. And so I like this idea of her getting out there and actually being part of this wider universe. And it gives her a place different than Clark to be. And that's a big part of the story is just, especially going into it, Tom King was like, I want to make sure that this story shows you that she's not just Superman, but with estrogen. She is her own person and she has her own struggles, her own character. And I think really diving into that in a way that no other story has done before from what I've seen is truly something that makes the story sing. Yes, I... Sorry, I... I loved that she was everywhere except Earth. Like, that was so awesome to me. Especially, yeah, because exactly the same. Like, Superman is the Earth. Like, that is his spot. That's where he always is. I think that's why I liked last week so much, too, was it was just a change of pace for him. But Kara very much seems like... um, I kept, while I was reading, I kept getting the same feelings as, like, Far Sector. I was like, yeah. This is re- I really I really like both of those, so I think that's w- one reason why I liked it so much. I think even just tonally, while Superman up in the sky, Clark did venture out from Earth. He the story kept bringing us back to Earth, mm-hmm. even when he wasn't there. It kept bringing us back because it, like you've both said, it's his home. That almost felt like Superman jumped as hard as he could to escape the gravity well of earth and then immediately started coming back to earth. And his goal was just to grab that girl to bring her back with him. Whereas Supergirl truly felt like the greatest science fiction space opera protagonist that just hops among the stars. Like this had all of the magic of a star Wars of a saga of 1960s science fiction that, explores brave new worlds you know this i feel like this had more in common with like a star trek than it did a strictly superhero story i feel like a lot of the storytelling sensibilities were interested in exploring brave new worlds and the conflicts that would arrive there and like there's still plenty of fisticuffs and and punching and Mm -hmm. fighting but a lot of the solutions were through kara's wit her grit her ability to adapt to different situations in a more refreshing sci-fi way than say a superman up in the sky which is very strictly terran superhero i you know i'm thinking about like the different ways that this is approached to and you brought it up earlier this is like very much in the same vein where it's like a small child and super person and they go hand in hand but the way this whole story is told, it's all through um, Ruthie's eyes. It's all from her point of view. So I was thinking about it after you said that. I'm like, this feels like the race issue of Superman up in the sky. But Tom King's like, I'm going to take that concept of the girl telling the story about the super person and make that this whole comic and just ex- 
spend the whole time seeing her through Ruthie's eyes. What did you think about a Supergirl comic being told from someone else's point of view? I want Alexis to go first because I'm going to answer your question with a question. So, <laughs> ha, it's a trap. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's very endearing. I feel like it's very easy for all of us to put ourselves in that, I guess, child's shoes. Um, to Because to be able to witness somebody like that, I feel like we all have our own individual, like we all have our own individual people like that in our lives that we can look at and we can imagine ourselves in that situation. So I feel like it's very, very easy to grab us in with those type of stories. Like we, I feel like if you can't relate, that's very like, I don't think there's people out there like that. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's very, very endearing. I, I think it's brilliant because it grounds Supergirl in a way that we may not have gotten otherwise. Because I some I sort of think her feats in this are almost more impressive than Cal's feats were in the last, which is crazy to say because that last book is so good. But I'm just going to read a page right out of issue eight. Oh yes, where um. So, spoilers now. If you haven't read Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, so far we haven't spoiled anything for you. I know you're only 17 minutes in, but if you want to experience this book and then come back, you're not going to hurt our feelings. But I'm going to now talk a little bit about the ending of this story to talk about this point. And I would love if you got to experience it fresh, like we did. Um, so... There's your spoiler warning. Give you a second to leave. Okay, yeah. Uh, welcome back, dutiful listener who waited two months for the trade to come out, read it, and came <laughs> back. You are our favorite listener. Um, so remember that part, dear listener, in the book you just finished, where Supergirl is going to kill Krim of the Yellow Hills. She has the sword. And the first time I read this, I heard the criticism of someone's like, I just don't buy that Supergirl would be so far gone that she'd have to be convinced by this little girl to not kill Krim. But reading it the second time, I still don't think that's what was happening. I think Supergirl was selling a point to the little girl and to Ruthie, where she's like, oh, Ruthie, even after all we've done, you didn't learn the lesson that killing someone is never the way. So... I mean, you're right, Ruthie. I'm just going to kill this guy. And Ruthie, she says, I learned it. Supergirl, you hear me, Supergirl? You better damn hear me. I learned it. Back on my home when you kept on fighting and you had no right to. Or during the travel when you helped me to wash up after going, even in the midst of all the ruckus of the bus, you took that time. Or in that town where I saw true evil... And I felt eternally lost, and you let me lean on your shoulders, and you put an arm around me, pulling me back until I was found. All those weeks chasing the wreckage of the brigands, and all you did in each place of horror was help those who needed helping, extending to them what you'd given to me, a shoulder to lean on. And when the very sun was against you, and had drawn out every last ounce of strength, you still held your arm out to evil and kept it at bay. 
I saw you outrun magic, just whispering into the impossible that I had no control over you. None at all. Even now, with a ship of devils above me, I felt no fear, for I knew you were amongst them, and the devils would soon fade away. Truth of it is, when my blessed father passed, I felt the good fortune afforded to the universe was now spent. If someone of his kindness and generosity could be put down with such senseless indifference, then all was chaos. And in that maelstrom of the absurd, I could be nothing but another dot of dust flung this way and that. And so I dedicated myself to the death of Krem of the Yellow Hills. Because if I must know that nothing matters, I saw no reason why that killer should remain ignorant of that essential truth. And But watching you being by your side these many days, I can't help but think that Grace did not die with my father. And like, I've never read a better distillation of a whole thing. Like they hit on each major point of the previous seven issues and said, this is when Supergirl taught this lesson Mm -hmm. to Ruthie and making Ruthie the POV character of the greatness of Supergirl is the only way you can really sell that. There's no way for Supergirl to tell you, dear listener, I taught you this along the way that doesn't come across really weird and so i think it's brilliant i yeah it's i'm thinking again about conversations that keep happening whenever we talk about superman or supergirl or or any character like this that has godlike powers and it's just we get people that come out of the woodworks and are like well these characters just they don't work they can't work because they're not relatable because they can lift mountains and they can run faster than a bullet train and I combine two into one there. And um, it's just like, it's not possible. You cannot relate to a God. And then you look at a story like Superman up in the sky and you realize that he's just a guy trying to do his best, just like any of us. And I think Supergirl, this really pinpoints that she is relatable in a very similar, but yet more emotionally powerful way. She is the embodiment of our ability to overcome grief and loss and tragedy and still find reason to go on and to give everything we can to make sure that that doesn't happen to other people and to even when it does lean offer that shoulder to lean on and i think that's such a powerful lesson that so many people really need to hear because there are so many people out there who are always constantly dealing with loss and tragedy and struggle um and just feeling like the whole world is against them. And just one thing can make the everything feel like it, like the whole world fell apart. Like I've had a couple moments like that in the last couple weeks. And this book really, really hits you there. And it's just, it reminds you that the world keeps turning and you can still be a good person in it. And I think that's so, so special. I think one of my favorite parts in the book really speaks to that when Ruthie says, you might think that it's a pointless endeavor to describe a battle between a super person and anything else, because ultimately they're going to win. Mm -hmm. But there are things that even the super people face that can hit them back just as hard as they can hit them. And I think life is that way a little bit. I think like when I look at, at Anne or Alexis, I see two really strong individuals. I'm like, Oh, nothing nothing can beat them down, you know, like endless rays of sunshine. But like this last line 
It says, after describing how there are things that can knock you down, it says, so what is the point of, co- of, content, of continuing? This is the question of a fool who has never hit a man in the face, knowing that one hit won't do it, and the next thing that's going to happen is that man is going to hit you right back as hard as he damn well can, and you will taste your own blood before the day is ended. Like, I what a beautiful reminder and what a beautiful superhero Supergirl is to be the hero that is going to taste the blood in her mouth before the day is up. That like, And she is still Supergirl at the end of it all. Like, I would... I would love that to be my attitude going into the hardships of life. You know, like there are things that no matter how hard I hit them, they're going to hit me right back. But like that doesn't, I'm not licked. I'm not done. I, I will be right there. And I think that's a, a really beautiful message that again, we get from Ruthie looking to Supergirl. And so now I want to ask you two a question so in the original pitch of Supergirl, but make it true grit in space, um, Supergirl was going to be the Ruthie character who was like the innocent sweet character that was going through with a rougher character through the galaxy. And Tom King was looking at like a character like Lobo or maybe one of the new gods that would be like the gruff Rooster Cogburn character that was that she would have to soften as she went. And it was actually Tom King's editor that said, no, you should make Supergirl the rough around the edges, gruff character and provide like another suite. Do you feel like that was the right decision? Because I've seen criticism of making Supergirl the rough around the edges character for this story. Well, right off the front, as somebody who loves to cuss like a sailor, I can really appreciate a woman in tights who can cuss like a sailor. So she did go pretty hard. I do have to say that. I really, really liked the, um, just like be, I mean, backstory. As somebody who throughout my whole life has been told that I'm a very predominantly aggressive woman, um, it was very, very comforting to see a character who people love and she's very endearing, very sweet in other medias. It was very, very fun to see her be cranky and grumpy, cuss like a sailor, kick people's asses, punch a random guy on the bus because he's being mean to her little friend. Like, it just, I felt I felt very seen. And I feel like that's the whole point of these damn coloring books is to be seen by these characters. So I, I really liked it a lot. I... I have to fully admit that what you just described, Dallas, sounds god-awful. And I'm so (laughs) glad we didn't get stuck with that and that someone talks some sense. Tom, if you're listening, I'm so sorry about that. Um, My big fear going into this, actually, because this was – I remember when this book got announced. It was back when Infinite Frontier just started. We had, like – you could count the number of books with prominent women in them on one hand. And it was such a frustrating time. Cause just like, I need something. I need anything, please. I'm begging. And this book got announced. I'm like, okay, cool. And as much as I like a lot of Tom's work, I just wasn't high on this choice because I'm like, I've seen Tom write plenty of characters before. I don't think I've read anything that he's ever written with a female lead. And the times I have read him, with a female lead, they've always been there in the support of a main male character. And I was very 
if we had gotten that original thing, then my exact concern for this book would have been literally realized, especially if she was like with a Lobo. And like, I don't want her playing second fiddle. She's playing second fiddle to Superman. Tom King said that in interviews. So I'm like, it gave me that little bit of hope that he understood. <laughs> and it played out really, really, really well. Because this is a character who a lot of people just kind of lump her in with Superman and just assume she's the same thing when we really get into the knit and grit here that she shouldn't be. Because she is, she's like, if any of us had watched our world die, gone through absolute hell, lost everyone we cared about, lost our entire culture, our entire heritage, got shipped off halfway across the galaxy we told, um, found out we had family there who was younger than us when we left, but is now older than us. That's a lot to take in for anyone. And it makes, it actually makes me look back at a lot of the older Supergirl stuff. And I'm like, you are way too happy for what has happened in your life. And I think the disconnect there between what people want Supergirl to be versus who she should actually be comes into play. And I think this is the first book in a long time that's really looked into what she should be like. That was one of my favorite parts about the New 52 stuff is she actually got to explore that grief a little bit. She actually spoke only Kryptonian for like the first seven or eight issues of that story. So like, she doesn't know English. She's completely foreign to this place. She doesn't get it yet. And they go into her rage and her anger and the Red Lantern stuff. But then Rebirth came and that's just kind of pushed to the side. And she's just like, she's just Superman, but girl again. And I like that the story made her the gruff one because she has reason to be, especially when she's away from home celebrating her 21st birthday. I would cuss like a sailor too. I definitely cuss much more when I'm on my own than I do when I'm in front of my family. So that was my long winded everything there. Us Taylor kids are just heathens. We just cuss like sailors in front of our parents. That's because my mom has a stroke. It's true. (laughs) Mom does. She does love to say shit. It's her favorite word. I do have to ask though, what word do you fill in to the scribbles with? Oh, the F word. Oh, it's yeah. the F word. Just about every time, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. That's soft. <laughs> I liked um, <laughs> my favorite interactions with it both involved Ruthie and the when Supergirl just wakes up hungover and she's like, fuck, and Ruthie's like, is this, you say fuck a lot, especially when you're annoyed. Is this the name of your husband? <laughs> and then the second, and then when Ruthie says it herself on the dinosaur planet, Supergirl's like, hey, I, you use that correctly. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm dying. And she's like, don't tell Cal, except for when she, it's just like, ugh, 45 minutes, that, and then it did it. That was bitch. I was like, Supergirl <laughs> oh, yeah? called Supergirl yeah, bitch. bitch. <laughs> that Super was, can we, can we talk? Like a, like a, uses the bitch word a lot. Uh-huh. She's, I loved this version of Supergirl. Like, I remember there have been two times I've really eaten my words recently with comics when house of X and powers of 10 in the solicits for that, it showed giant size X-Men number one. It showed new X-Men by Grant Morrison. And then it showed house of X powers of 10. And it was like, we're about to release a book this big. I was like, mighty presumptuous of you dingleberries. And they were a hundred percent right. They released a mm-hmm. book that was that good. And then in the Infinite Frontier solicits for Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, they and interviews with Tom King, they said, this will be the all-star Superman for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, we will see. 
I was like, Tom, Tom, I love you. I will read the first issue of whatever you write. I'll probably read the whole series of whatever you write. I think you're wonderful. I was like, but saying you're writing the next All-Star Superman, that's a big thing to say. I think this was Supergirl's All-Star Superman. Like, I, if this just became the norm for how she was written, I would be happy. I would read an endless number of Tom King Supergirl books <laughs> because this was just that good. And I think it did such a good job of separating her from her cousin and demonstrating why she is such a phenomenal character of her own right. Uh, there's just, there, there's so much in just eight issues. And that's the thing. Cause like I read through this again. I'm like, wow, this is too short. But at the same time, like there's too much here. The, the, it's too big and we're, we're too small. And just it, sorry, this is probably my second favorite book we've read on the show, which is saying a lot for a show where we've covered Aquaman, Giant Days, Sunstone. Oh. We're this is definitely moved on up there in a very, very short amount of time. What's the number one favorite? Oh, Sunstone. Sunstone? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. It's Sunstone hard. rules. Yeah, like you have to ask, <laughs> idiot, mm-hmm. idiot. No, so, it was lock and key. I get it. I get it. Oh yeah, sorry, so, you got me. <laughs> Where does this rank? Me. Where does this rank for you, Alexis? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This one's so good. I feel like I need to like write down my – I told you I told you my top five a while ago, and I forgot all of them. So we've read a lot of things. <laughs> this is definitely top five, though. Maybe top three. Woo. Like, I want to buy this one when it comes out in a pretty hard book. I'm super annoyed that it's coming out as a trade paperback first. Yeah. They- they always give they always give Tom King a hardcover right out of the gate, but the one that it's one a woman likes the one I was like I can't help but feel like this is sexist. I, like I don't know. This is a personal attack. Oh, I'm annoyed that I'm gonna have to wait longer to get the hardcover. Uh, DC giving a different treatment to its female characters rather than its male ones—that's never. never happened. Never, not even once. Not, what? Never. How dare we suggest it? <laughs> Never in a killing joke would they ever, ever. <laughs> there it all is. Right, all right, all right. So. Back I mean, to Deathstroke Inc. Back to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Bill Quisevely's artwork. Um, so last week we really praised the writing style of Superman Up in the Sky. How do you feel like Tom King evolved over two years to the writing of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Ooh, see, here's I want Lexi to go first because I have the perfect way to describe the writing style in this one. And yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm not that in-depth of a thinker when it comes to words. Um, I only have like seven in my vocabulary. So... <laughs> and I'm like cracked out on NyQuil right now. So I got about 20 minutes, so I'm going to fall asleep. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But no, I really like the way I love. I don't know. I if I Dallas mentioned it earlier, but it feels very poetic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of feels like a little love song towards Supergirl. Like I kind of want Ruthie to be in love with her, which I think she is because we all are. <laughs> but 
I don't know. I just really, I want to, now I'm really want to know what you want to say, Anne, because you kind of threw me under the bus there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> from, from issue one, I kind of thought about this and it's, um, Tom King always has in his writing, he has this very, very flowy, very prosy way of writing everything where he's like, I like my repetition. I like my mantras. I like things to sound fancy. I would rather characters speak in a way that sounds, you know, appealing rather than some way that might be in character quote unquote just you know what i'm trying to say and i think it was the smartest move in the world for him to say if i'm gonna introduce a new character i'm gonna bring them from tom king world this is the place where everyone speaks like tom king wants to at all times and all places and he's like i'm going to milk this as much as i can i'm gonna take this from like this almost like Renaissance age um, environment, almost like this medieval place. Everyone's speaking so fancy and I'm going to use this to really embellish and sell all the larger than life, beautiful, legendary things that this, that Supergirl can do. And I think that plays so well into everything else because it just, it gives the story the feeling of like intergalactic folktale. And I think that's very, very special. You should definitely. You said you haven't seen uh, True Grit, right? I have not. You watch it tonight. You should watch the Coen Brothers True Grit because I think he captured the voice of True Grit mm-hmm. perfectly. Like Haley Steinfeld talks in this very indubitably hither and thither. Yeah, like, like I'm smart. Like I am a, from the country. Yeah, I am a very smart farm girl. They learned all my words from books, but ultimately most of my experiences saddling horses. I think that voice was perfect yeah. for, for Ruthie. And then you are right. Everyone on all the planets, they talked in this sort of like supercilious flowery way. That was mm-hmm. very fun. Very Lord of the Rings. of them. Did anyone have a favorite planet? Which feels bad because most of the ones we went to were not in the best shape when we got to them. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of um, deceased. Ugh. I love Dino Planet. I love the idea. <laughs> That's that... such a terrible planet. No, <laughs> I know, so but bad. like, I just I loved that we got to see how much Ruthie had grown on the journey. Okay. I loved that we got to see how strong and resilient Kara is, especially right before we then get her whole backstory about Krypton. So we like, we see how gritty this character is and like, not gritty, like, Oh, it's dark and edgy, but like she like grits her teeth and gets it done. And like, I just, I love the juxtaposition of like the justice league came and saved Superman from this after 45 minutes. Yeah, that was and my favorite. like, just like Clark's parents saved him as a baby from Krypton, but like Supergirl just has to grit her teeth and get it done. Like as much as I love Superman, I never want to put Superman down. There's a pattern where Superman gets launched away from the problem that Supergirl then has to face. Mm -hmm. And I think Tom King did a really great job of encapsulating that into a single issue that was also very fun, silver agey concept, like a whole world made to trap a Kryptonian, like yep. that's that's fun. I like that. That's gas. And there just happened to be dinosaurs. Just just you know, as as a fun little extra. 
Yeah. And I liked that I didn't have to complain about uh, scientific accuracy with the dinosaurs mm-hmm. yep. because they're alien dinosaurs. So they're allowed they're to space. look like lizard monsters. They're space dinosaurs. How, how do you know they don't look like that? <laughs> that's what, that's what they, they look like. They do look like that. They don't have feathers. Not a feather in sight. <laughs> Did you have a favorite place or how about a favorite moment from any of the places the Supergirl went in the story? <sighs> Wait, did Alexis answer favorite planet? I I, I added that Alexis on because I realized favorite planets question. might be a little depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to admit, like, I do love their experiences on the bus, especially Ruthie's with the giant men falling asleep on her. Yeah. Because that is so real. And I love how she says the same thing every time, too. She's like, sir... Sir, I paid my seats on this transportation. <laughs> Please do not lay on me. And they just do not give a fuck. They're like, bro, mm-hmm. shut up. I don't care. And then Kara punches him in the face, which I love. It very much had the uh, the girl selling her horse in True Grit. Remember that <laughs> yeah, scene? Yes. I was like, that is this scene. And I'm telling you, you got to watch True Grit. I, I will watch True Grit. I promise. It, it probably should have been required reading before I did this, but, you know, whatever. It's, it's I, a good we don't make the rules. My favorite part about going through issue two again this time is the first time I read through it, I thought the first slug alien just had like really gross like snot coming out of his nose. But I realized I think Supergirl punched him in the face earlier and he's just yeah. suffering amnesia. He's like, yeah, I got yeah. knocked in the head so hard. I don't know what just happened because he's like acting all confused. And you see at the end when she punches the other slug, he gets the same like little two blood trails coming out of his his nose. I'm like, oh, Supergirl knocked him so hard. He has no idea what he's talking about. You don't know what day it is or what his name is. <laughs> Um, I think two of my favorite moments, I thought Supergirl digging all the graves for that man was beautiful. I love the idea that we have a duty to do all we can for our neighbor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked about this a lot recently with like Bone (laughs) and Superman. And I love just seeing it right in the text of Supergirl that like in the world that we live in. And I think... Tom King's done a pretty good job of like talking about the world we live in without really talking about the world we live in. Like putting a giant lead shield over Krypton being like, wear your mask to protect us from COVID. (laughs) I was like, word, Tom, word. I see what you're doing there. He's like, everyone had to participate in this thing that wasn't necessarily convenient, but it was for the greater good. I was like, okay, Tom. Mm-hmm. Oh well, tossle the hair. Um, <laughs> I get it. Tossle the hair. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Follow me back on Twitter, Tom. Um, come on our show. I think you're hey, a genius. But I mean, I don't, sorry to name drop, but um, my favorite person follows all of us on Twitter. Go find out who that is, everyone. <laughs> yeah, go through all of our followers. <laughs> find who the common denominator is. It's Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I love Glenn. Um, But I, I loved, I love the idea that Supergirl in the midst of all of this horrible shit that they're going through in that, like their darkest hour in the middle of everything. She took the time to make this guy's burden a little bit lighter. And I, at the end of the day, that's what I think that the super people are for. That's what I think Superman and Supergirl are for, is to show us that you never have problems that are bigger than the little people. Yeah. That she took time to notice that this guy needed help. 
And in the midst of her giant quest, she helped him out. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. There's nothing that I am ever doing that is more important than lending my help to people. And I think that's a reminder that I need a lot. I like that. That was such a good moment. Just her jumping around, helping everyone, just her helping feed the guy who's in the hospital, her um, letting that one Titanic woman who's so Jack Kirby-esque just unleash all hell on her was so, so wonderful. That entire issue. My favorite moment from the whole series might be in that that final moment, that final issue. Coming back to that in just a second, because there's two others I wanted to talk about first. I think issue six might be one of my favorite comics of all time talking about her experience back on Krypton just because it's so so tragic and like humbling and it's uh, the line that sticks with me it's just so haunting is Krypton did not die in a day the gods are not that kind and that there's like those moments that was just like it hits you and it like shakes your heart and you're like oh my god and just it gave me such an appreciation for everything the car has been through. And it's a smaller moment. The issue after that, when car is fighting everyone on the ship. And I'm not sure if you've seen dread, but it gave me vibes of dread when she's like getting all snared by all these, the barbed wire, like ropes. And they're like holding her down and they're getting ready to shoot a kryptonite gun in her. And she's like, wait, stop. And then they're like, what? Wait, wait, what are you saying? She's like, stop, don't you dare, don't do it. And they're like, is, is she like begging? And then they realize she's talking not to them, but to Comet. <laughs> she's like, don't you dare come save me. I'm I'm working on this. You got to stay with her. I'm fine. And it gave me, it gave me vibes, vibes of dread telling the one guy to wait. He's like, are you begging? And I was like, wait for her to shoot you. And then she shoots him. Dread's a really good movie. Off, Completely off tangent. But my favorite moment in the whole series was when Supergirl had just had enough going from world to world, seeing all these places that had been devastated by the brigands. And she goes to the one temple with the peaceful, like um, the peaceful monks who had just sat there as they were massacred. And she just says, I can't, I have to scream. I can't do it here. I need to go. And it talks in the narration about Supergirl carrying around this pain with her at all times. And she's, Ruthie's like, I believe she was in constant pain. And we had discussions about that on the timeline. I say discussions. Some people were not happy about that moment because they're like, this is too dark to be Supergirl. This isn't the Supergirl I know. And I'm like, ignoring all the trauma for this for a second, this is how I would picture someone with as much empathy as Kara just existing. Because you feel that a lot on like social media. You get to see the bad things that are happening. Like we're, you know... So far away from it, but we see everything that's happening in Ukraine. Um, so far away from it, but I see everything that's happening to children in like Alabama and Texas and Missouri. And it's just, you feel the pain for those people. And there's moments where it's like, I carry that around with me, even though I've never seen it, even though I can't do anything about it, it just exists. And it there are moments where you just like want to run into the sun and just scream because it's so much. And I think that's, partially what that was referring to and i think that just goes to show how much she she cares because it's just her realizing again and again i can do all these nice things but i've been too late for so many of these people and that has to weigh on her so much i think it was such a wonderfully executed issue issue six issue four both world-class issues 
I honestly, I feel like this, there were no weak issues in this. No. There was no Superman in the foxhole issue of this. And I feel like even better than Superman up in the sky, any one of these issues tells a complete story, you know, yeah. like, and they're all valuable stories as well. Not to say they're not fun. Like there's no place for just like straight up fun. They are fun usually, but like you read issue three about mm. the little town that got rid of all of the purple folk. Like that's, that is a significant topic to go into and to talk about. That's a, mm -hmm. and I, I felt that it was handled well. I mean, that's, that's only my opinion, but it, it made me think, it made me think about the kind of world I want to live in, the kind of things that we let happen within our world. Mm -hmm. And I think it's brave to talk about those things with our fiction. And I think it's, it's brave to call people to be a little bit better. And I think there were a lot of moments in Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, that called on people to be a little bit better. I agree full heartedly. And that was, I think, moments, issues one and two for me were good issues. They were solid issues. I'm like, I'm liking the series. I'm excited to see where it goes next. But issue three was that turning point. When we see, when we get the brigands introduced, and it's very interesting, by the way, to have a villain, a primary antagonist who's either completely absent for the first half, you know, like three quarters of the story, that we get to just follow their devastation. Their influence, their presence is purely in their aftermath. And I think that was an incredible choice that was really that really paid off and it's just that was the moment where the series became real for me like okay this is gonna get to some interesting places this can get some deep places and i'm i'm here for it how about you lex what are some of the themes you feel like you liked in the story um sorry my voice is kind of going out guys um but <coughs> um I would have to say I really like the theme of, like, I don't know. I guess I don't know if it's a theme per se. That's not really my strong suit. But um, I really love how we had this whole big epic saga of teaching this one little girl that life is important and that's not something to be messed with. And I feel like that is such a cool message especially coming from a character such as one of the supers. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to be like, yeah, we, we can do this. We do these things every day, but it's not to be taken lightly. And I feel like that's a lesson that a lot of people these days need to relearn and rewitness the goodness of people. Um, as I feel like that one struck me the hardest of like seeing the good in everybody. What? Oh, sorry. Um, you you ask first. I just have a question for both of you before Lexi loses her voice. <laughs> um, Lex, what did you think of the end of Kara having Ruthie write the story in such a way that the brigands would be after Supergirl for the rest of forever? And then the real ending of after all of his repentance, after he comes to her and apologizes, Ruthie still smacks Kara right in the head. And I just, loved it. 
I love his little arm, like reaching up, like, ugh, and, like touching his head. <laughs> like, ugh, that, uh, that shit hurted. That. No, that, that was awesome. I, I loved the last, I guess, two pages. That, it was really awesome. That was going to be my question to both of you, because I'm just, I read that ending, and I just sat there like, it's like, I like the ending, but I'm not sure exactly what that means. Because I'm like, we got the whole, the sanctity of life. It's like, you know, there's, we got to be better. We can make it better. But I like the the little snark there at the end where it's like, yeah, we can be better, but we can still, we can still get a little bit in. We just, yeah. just, just one whack. I thought that was a little bit petty. Yeah, a, li- a little pettiness is allowed. And <laughs> she just walks away and leaves him there. And he's just like, I'm done. I, I give up. That's so funny because I'm going to be completely honest. I literally thought she killed him. So, that's so many changed. people were. Yeah. I was fully convinced that he was dead. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so many people like Screw Supergirl's lessons. <laughs> Screw Supergirl's message. I think it was the combination of that with the lie from the story about how Supergirl killed him that, like, some people got like the wires crossed they're like oh is he actually dead but i think the the hand on his face was an obvious sign that he's like no he's just knocked the fuck out he's yeah. he's had a day <laughs> he's like 200 years old now <laughs> yeah, he just wants to go to sleep guys <laughs> he is taking a nap i liked um i hadn't noticed until you and posted the picture of the two pages back to back that the first mm-hmm. and last page of this story were the same page, but inverted yep. where Krem is kills the dad in front of the sun setting. And then Ruthie smacks the crap out of Krem. Um, I, th- I think again, that sells them Supergirl's message so well that like ultimately when provided the opportunity Ruthie learned the sanctity of life. Like, yeah, she still smacked the guy. She's still angry at him. Her emotions are still there. She didn't become a paragon that doesn't feel the rage that she felt. She's still the Ruthie we met and loved along the story. But she she learned about like a line not to cross. And I I really like those characters and the idea of like strength. Or like power not being strength, but like strength mm-hmm. in check, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Ruthie at the end of the day is a more powerful character than Krem because she did not react to the emotions that she was feeling in the same way that he did. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's not that like you have to shut down your emotions, you're not allowed to have them. Like you can still be angry. You can still dislike people. You can still stand up for what's your own. Mm-hmm. But I think working to master how those emotions affect you and the people around you is a sign of true strength that Supergirl demonstrates throughout this story that Ruthie learns throughout the story. And I think reading the story makes me want to be better at managing my emotions. Mm-hmm. I like that. I also, I like the fact that it's so often Superman and Supergirl are propped up like these paragons of what we're supposed to be i like that ruthie had this moment where she's like i'm not i'm not a paragon i'm i'm allowed to have this one moment because everyone's allowed their little gremlin moments none of us are are superman or supergirl we can have our gremlin moments and i think that's emblematic of what that was so do you know what the smacking in the head reminds me of what um in in the gospels 
when one of the only times we really get to see Jesus lose his temper, right, is when he's driving the salesman out of the temple. Um, and so for anyone that's unfamiliar with the Christian New Testament, the, the temple of, uh, like, like the second temple, basically Herod's temple, is there in Jerusalem. And within the outer courtyard, it's supposed to be a sacred set-apart place, but people had taken to selling livestock and other offerings for tourists to be able to buy and offer up sacrifices in the temple. Uh, this was a no-no, but capitalism, what can we say? And this displeased Jesus, who saw it as a desecration of his father's house. And so he he goes, and in one of the few moments of just like rage, he flips the tables, he makes a whip, and he drives everybody out. But that the emotion and check of all of that, one of my favorite verses it clarifies that Jesus takes the cage of birds off the table before he flips it. That he's like, this isn't your fault, little birds. Like, you don't need to be hurt because of this. And I, for whatever reason, that la- the last page of this book reminds me of that. Like, yes, we're going to be mad. We're going to flip tables. We're going to smack him in the head. But, like, there are lines we don't cross. Yeah. Ultimately, we're kind at our core. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. We're going to rehabilitate him in the phantom zone rehabilitation facility and we'll be set i love phantom that that zone exists rehab. it's like hgd rehab somehow okay. the yeah <laughs> not, so, not, non-fungible rehab <laughs> she somehow. threw him in the blockchain for 200 hours <laughs> 200 years <laughs> Uh, Mike, how is somehow the Phantom Zone a more humane <laughs> and reasonable method of detainment than anything we got here? I, I want people to look into this. We need to figure this out. The X-Men have the pit and the, the L's have Phantom Zone. Alexis, <laughs> remember when they threw Sabretooth just in the pit in yes! House of Bucks and House of Ten? <laughs> They're like, you dumb bitch, <laughs> go into this hole. Yes. Brilliant. Just gets absorbed by the island. It's fine. It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, live here on the air, Alexis, there's more to that story now. We should read Inferno with Alexis. I don't doubt that there's more to that story. I don't read very often. <laughs> they they released a a middle part and a pseudo finale to all of that if you ever wanna Ooh. if you ever wanna read it. Mayhaps I might. Could be fun. Uh, we should do um, X of Swords just for that one kitten panel, and that's it. <laughs> I loved X of Swords. I know a lot of people did not. I loved it. I'm glad you did, cause I did too. <laughs> I think a lot of people, were, they, they saw like Teeny Howard, they're like, no, thank you. And I, I still don't get that personally, but that's just me. Um, I think Teeny reads a lot better for the trade. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know what? I give... I have been guilty of being meaner to Teeny Howard than I should, but like I give Tom King a lot of leash. I like <laughs> if I don't like a Tom King book, I go, it's probably on me. I'll just read it when it's all collected. And if I don't like a Teeny Howard book, I'm like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about, and I should I should address that. <laughs> we are becoming self-aware. Let's go. All right, should we do some listener questions? Yes. 
Oh, um, before we do, what did you think about the use of crypto? Did you like the the fake out at the end? I, I audibly screamed, "You bitches!" <laughs> You fully had me convinced that this dog dies. My dog is standing right here screaming about it, too. Yeah, she looks torn up. Yeah, that's what she has to Ripping, say. Ripping stuff, Ripping. Thank you, Junie. <laughs> she's, just, she's just a brown version of crypto. It's fine. It's beautiful. But All she's right. too fat to fly. <laughs> Everyone... It's that time of week again. It is, drumroll please, moment of silence. Da, 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 da. It's Glenn. The Glenn question of the week. Hello, Supergirls and Supergirl pal, Dallas. Supergirl, <laughs> has a, Supergirl has a sword here. Should more comic blondes have swords? What do we think? Yes, yes, yes. A yes. thousand times yes. And they all should. Um, yes, two of them. And a third for backup. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Big ones. Big swords. Big ones. Big swords. I think big sword little lady. Yes. Pretty good, pretty good trope. Um, dream Supergirl creative team for her next ongoing. Uh, I suck so hard at creative teams. Do you have any that come to mind? Give me that Tilly Walden Supergirl book. Uh, Come okay. on. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. Do you not remember how beautiful space was under the pen of Tilly Walden? Imagine Supergirl visiting all the places that Anna Sunbeam visited. Imagine Come. imagine her in a little tiny suit with a little flower. Beautiful. Exactly. It's all coming together. Mm-hmm. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I want something... Celestial, but also matches the beauty of this book. So I think just from the panels we've seen of it and just from interactions I've had with the team on Twitter, I think um, Jadzia, Axelrod, and Jess Taylor from the upcoming Galaxy the Prettiest Star, I think that could be a fun Supergirl run. Because if you haven't seen the the previews for that book's art, wow. Oh my god, this book is going to be phenomenal. Everyone go out and order Galaxy the Prettiest Star like right now, please. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. Uh, Glenn then says, one of my favorite single issues is Supergirl 19 from the Orlando run, co-written by Vida Ayala. Mm-hmm. It's a great run, I think, but I'm curious what the collective makes of it. Um, is he talking about the issue specifically or the entire run? He's asking about the run entirely. I have not read the run. Um, the run entirely is solid. It's a, um, you know, it's like a, I'm glad I read that. I, I'm not going to spend my lifetime thinking about it, but I'm glad I read it. The whole run is basically dwarfed by that one issue, which is one of the best comic issues of all time. It's, yeah. um, oh, do you know which one it is? I do, but you should go. Okay. It's about, um, some, it's about this kid who is struggling with their gender identity and they come to Supergirl and Supergirl basically kind of just comforts them through it. And they eventually come out at the end of the story to their parents as non-binary. And um, it's just a really, really touching story. And it's drawn by, um, oh, we were talking about Far Sector earlier. Um, why is the name? Jamal Campbell. Jamal Campbell. Thank you. So it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And I can read it any day, every day. So That's the one with the Jorge Jimenez cover, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
Um, yeah, I will say Steve Orlando was the person who pointed out to Tom King that basically the whole premise of issue six that Steve Orlando was like Supergirl had to live on Krypton and watch it destroyed three times before she was 14. Like that's a lot of weight. And that was what really got Tom's gears going for this pitch. And he, he credits that. So if you loved issue six, you do owe it to Steve Orlando. A little Love bit. Steve Orlando. Uh, if you haven't read commanders in crisis is fun. That's a fun book. I would love to love his work. I I haven't read the thing that sings to me yet from Steve Orlando. I can get that. Mm-hmm. All right. And then finally, uh, question for the gang. Yay or nay to Supercorp? Fuck. Um, I'm going to, I would have said yay a little while ago, but after how those... The, the ship the crazy shippers on twitter treated nicole mains a couple weeks ago i could care less that is that is a toxic community <laughs> i think that shipping is ultimately stupid bingo send tweet preach yeah i don't care about shipping yeah speaking of lexi what's your favorite twilight ship oh shit mm, <laughs> billy black and charlie Swan. Boom. There we go. <laughs> Wonderful. Actually, galaxy brained. Yeah, there you go. No, just anybody I... with Charlie. Alexis, have you ever watched the Cosmonaut Marcus Watches Twilight YouTube videos? No, but I feel like I should now. That sounds exciting. You really should. They are very funny. He yeah. he really wants Charlie to become a vampire hunter. Oh, yes! How can very... be Buffy? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Hunt them, Marcus. <laughs> I feel like you would like them because ultimately I think Marcus likes Twilight, oh, but he, who he is very funny. I love Cosmonaut Marcus. There's if no anyone... way. There's no way you can be a Twilight fan and not make fun of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that movies, the movies, disaster, but they're uh-huh. hilarious. And the books, even worse, but yeah. even better at the same time. Since, since you're sick, Alexis, you should go to Cosmonaut Variety Hour is the YouTube <laughs> okay. channel. And he has two, like, 40 minutes each, him watching and reacting to the Twilight movies. Can you make those they for me are, when you do it? They are wonderful. I think you'd like them. Wait, have you ever seen the Twilight movies, Dallas? I have not. <gasps> ah, okay, uh, that's that's on our to-do list. Special episode. <laughs> oh, would you like to read the next question, Dallas? Yes. It says... Hi, everyone. And by the way, I'm just literally scrolling through our text messages. Okay. That's the order I'm in. I'm picking up. Um, Hi, everyone. Hope you're all doing all right. I know the last week has been quite... Oh. Oh, I went to a Superman question. Oh, everyone. (laughs) I got got the next one. Straight to jail. Um, Hi, Comics Collective. I hope you are well. See, it's pretty similar. I know it's been a rough few weeks. I've been excited for this episode, and I have a few questions for you. One, I love this comic, and it, along with being super, made Kara my favorite member of the Super Fam. What are some of your other favorite Supergirl comics? Does anyone here have any other Supergirl reading experience? Not reading, but she's fun to play as an Injustice too. Bingo! Only that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. Except she's um, kind of a bitch. I thought it was pretty crazy when she died in uh, <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay, so we're muting Dallas. Yeah. Dallas is muted. Yeah. 
Um, Is it the same type of crypto death that didn't really happen? No, I actually, I owned the issue for a very long time. I sold it when I moved, but I owned the issue of Supergirl's death for a very long time. Wait, with the, the cover with him holding her? Yeah. And it you really, had that? A really nice copy, yeah. And I sold it. Idiot. I have on my list exactly two issues that have covers that I must own before I die. One of them is the original Aquaman number 45, I believe. It's Black Manta holding up Aquaman's, like, lifeless corpse over, like, Aquaman written in the stone. It just says, is this my foe on it? And, like, that cover slaps. And the other one is that one. So I'm so mad at you right now. I got it for, like, 25 bucks, too. You, and it was, what? And it was a nice copy. We're not talking for the rest of this episode. Lexi, you're the only person I, 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 I acknowledge for the rest of this. <laughs> oh, um, boy. Being super is really, really good. Um, Supergirl content is not as great as I would like it to be. The stuff in the late 2000s got very, very um, yikes for me with them really, really over-sexualizing a 15-year-old. Um, the new 52 stuff I like it's not perfect, but it has a lot of aspects that are fun. The Red Lantern stuff um, is phenomenal. If you read the Red Lantern arcs for Supergirl in the New 52, that's a great place to go. Rebirth Run is solid. Um, Future State um, Superwoman, beautiful, wonderful art. One of the best of the Future State series. Um, if you go back to some of her classic comics, they're, they're pretty fun. Um, it's it's hard because after Crisis on Infinite Earths, they rebooted her like two or three times. Once she was a bunch of goo, which really confused me during Death of Superman when Doomsday punched her in the face and she just turned into Play-Doh. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And um, then after that, she was a literal angel for a while. Completely different character, but also called Supergirl. So not a lot of great options to go for oh wait no i just remembered um mark wade's three cool um three boot legion of superheroes run was titled supergirl and the legion of superheroes for a while that version of supergirl is really really wonderful that whole run is really wonderful okay sorry yep, there we go nailed it i thought that john ridley uh sure didn't like her in the other history of the dc universe <laughs> John really didn't like a lot of people in the other history of the DC universe, which, you know, probably, yeah, pretty warranted. Fair. That's a good book. I like that good book. book. Mm -hmm. um, number two of this question. This is all from Sam, by the way. Both Superman Up in the Sky and Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow look straightforward plots, took straightforward plots, and used those plots as a means to show everything great about their title characters. Are there any other characters that you'd love to see get this treatment? And number three, what are your favorite aspects of Kara that differentiate her from the rest of the super fam? It's always a joy to listen to you guys. Keep being awesome. Sincerely, Sam the Geeky Citizen. So first, number two, what characters do we want to see get this like focused, deep dive character study miniseries? Who do you want to see broken down like this? My... I like... Oh. I don't even you're... know. See, if you're both still thinking... I know mine, and it's the one that's like, if I don't get it beforehand, by the time I get to comics, I'm going to write it my goddamn self. I'm going to do one for Carol Danvers, because she needs it so bad. I need someone to stop being afraid of how people are going to react, and just actually break down the traumas and the experiences of this character in a way with half as much respect as this book was handled. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. Um, I'll have to say Kate Bishop. I think she's one of my favorite characters right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, she, I mean, I feel like they kind of sort of did that. 
than the ones that we read, but I just like her, so I want more. That'd be fun. Um, I think that it is shocking that we don't have an all-star Superman equivalent for Wonder Woman. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love, I think there are some solid runs you can point to with Wonder Woman, but I would love just like a single hardcover to hand people and be like, want to know why she's great? Mm -hmm. Here you go. But the only stipulation is she has to have pants (laughs) and a big ass sword. Nothing. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I can hear the neckbeards coming. They're not happy. Oh, fuck up. I don't like the sword. I like the lasso. Okay, well, she can have both. She got two hands. Listen, I don't like Zeta the Warrior Princess. I don't think that's Wonder Woman. Okay. There it is. I disagree. Shut up. I do not think that Wonder Woman should have a sword. I think they're. I am all for giving lots of women swords. I think specifically Wonder Woman. Just strictly not Wonder Woman. Everybody else can have a sword. No, literally. Like I think it breaks her character. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk plenty about this in June, but I think the reason we haven't gotten that all-star Superman for Wonder Woman, but we have for like Batman and Superman, now Supergirl, is to do that for Wonder Woman, you would make a bunch, a lot, a lot, a lot of men uncomfortable. A lot of That's what I'm going to say about that for now. Um. Yeah, that was that was that question. This, here's the spicy take. That might be Wonder Woman Earth One, and y'all hate it. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. I love Wonder Woman Earth One. I, I know do you too. do, you horny little monster. It, well, it's that? not. It's okay. It might be that for me, but that's not all of what it is. <laughs> and that was not directed at you. That's only that's like. Ten? That's only I'm... like thirty percent. Thirty-five. Forty, depending on the day. Are you? <laughs> Okay, Six, 65. Okay, fine. Final offer, seven. Majority. Okay, moving on to the next question. Oh, this just says Jeff Smith follows us. Okay, cool. Ah! Um, <laughs> um, from Tux, Woman of Tomorrow question. What do you all think about Kara meeting and helping other Kryptonian refugees like Candor or Colonies? I personally love it, but I do know some people who would think it weakens her tragic narrative. What do we think about Supergirl potentially being a um, guardian of other Kryptonian colonies. I really liked Future State House of L mm-hmm. with her being like an elder Kryptonian. I thought that was super cool where she like helps lead other people in the future. I do think there's a danger of diluting the Kryptonians. Mm-hmm. Like if... I haven't read a lot of Candor, but I like when Candor is little. I like when they have little tiny people <laughs> in that little tiny bottle city. And it's like, look at all these tiny Superman. They're so little. I don't want them to be big. New Krypton is calling Doesn't you. Doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of the Supergirl and the Superman if there's all the Supermen and all the Superwomen? Oh. If everyone's super, yeah. no one is. <laughs> no, Krypton. really, though. Do they not have the same powers? Um, They do. And there's a whole story arc about Kandor getting big. It's called New Krypton, and we should look into it someday. It's 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 fun. I won't say Deal. it's perfect, but it's fun. Deal. I would read it. Um, Yeah, I would read it. What was I going to say? Because we kind of saw what happens when Supergirl's with other Kryptonians in that one. But I like her taking a Matri article role in both house of l which by the way the house of l characters best thing um philip k john kennedy johnson has done with the superman characters so far loved it wasn't that sean lewis 
Was it? I know he did the annual. I'm losing my mind. I think you, it was Sean Lewis. Because then, because then, as you're looking on. it up, if it's Sean Lewis, I will just smirk and stare at the camera for exactly 45 <laughs> second. seconds. And if it's not, you'll edit all of this out. No, no I'll, I'll be wrong on purpose. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm in Alexis's boat where I don't want a super ton of Kryptonians. No, because what do they have problems? None. They can fly. Pfft. Next question. Was I right, Anne? <laughs> I was wrong. It's Philip Kennedy Johnson. Rip. Well, Philip, you did exactly <laughs> one thing that I liked. Gosh, I, love, I love when women are right. I, love I do too. <laughs> I support women's rights, but most importantly, Dallas's wrongs. <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. <laughs> most importantly, I support women's wrongs. <laughs> I think there's, you know, off topic, there's so much Kryptonian lore that doesn't get explored as much as it is. Like, we got Daxum just literally saying out there where it's like, oh, we used to be part of Krypton, but then we just decided to, to hang out. I'm like, so you're telling me Kryptonians who are super powered by the sun used to be everywhere. And then they just stopped for some reason. What the fuck happened? It, let's, let's talk about that. But no, we, we're too. Jeez, hmm. that's a sucky evolution. Can you imagine being on the other end of that? Like we used to fly. <laughs> what? Yeah. Daxum is a world full of people who are like, we used to fly, but then we got really xenophobic. So <laughs> we parked ourselves under this red sun and called it a day. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs> oh my gosh. All next. right. Oh, you want the next one? Sure. This next one is from Vish. Um, hey to everyone at the Comics Collective. Hope you guys are having a good day slash night. Here's my question to all of you. Unlike Superman, Supergirl is often seen as this character with a tragic backstory and past that she seldom gets her own light and hearted stories showcasing her inner hope and acceptance of a better tomorrow by learning from humanity instead of inspiring others. So would you like to see that theme where she has her own conflict of emotions that leads to acceptance of her trauma? If so, any specific writers in mind? What else would you like to see within such a story? Or what would your ideal, lighthearted, fun Supergirl story be that changes the usual tone of the character, but her core characteristic remains the same that differentiates her from her cousin? Absolutely go crazy with your answers. I'd love to hear them. Best regards and love, Vish. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. So first question, do we want... Uh, to see a more lighthearted Supergirl. And I guess, do we believe that Supergirl is usually tragic and traumatized? I would say uh, no. I think it depends on the story. More recently, definitely yes. Um, the New 52 stuff, a lot of it plays into it. I think Rebirth took a little bit of a backseat in that regard, but this is the first time it's really been played up since. Um, Future State really plays into it too. So just speaking in terms of like the last couple years, yeah. Also, I just remembered that right before Future State, the last thing that happened to her was um, finding out that Krypton had been destroyed by a Mike, Brian Michael Bendis creation. And then after that, she got Jokerified. So yeah, she went through a little bit of a rough streak lately. Um, I would be down for some more hopeful Supergirl stories. I would like to see a lot more of those themes of just overcoming that that grief, that tragedy. And I'd be I'd be down to see her exploring that with other characters, kind of like Ruthie. 
Because I think there's a lot of places you can go after a story like this. Um, I know that something that Philip Kennedy Johnson has said he wants to do with his action comics run is explore like refugees and like sex traffic people within like the narrative of superheroes. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you think he's doing a good job of that is your mileage may vary. But I think that Supergirl would be especially well disposed to help like shepherd refugees in space. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I'm picturing her as almost like a Moses character for like another dying planet where like she gets to show how much she has grown having come to earth, having worked through a bunch of her shit about Krypton mm-hmm. and then like getting to be there at the ground floor, helping out like say like Brainiac comes and ruins someone else's planet. Supergirl is the first responder. Supergirl is there to shepherd the people over the course of however many issues to where they're going. I think you could have some really great interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would like me to write that. <laughs> I was guess because we have like those, um, the Kryptonian people from War World, like Tal, I think her name's like Tal La or something like that, who's just hanging out on Earth now. I think it'd be great for Supergirl to take a front, to take her place, front stage, handling stuff like that. Like, if we get a bunch of refugees from War World, I want Supergirl leading the forefront, because that's something she understands and Cal doesn't. And I would like to think that this story changed Supergirl as much as it does Ruthie, because she says at the end, I still dream of Krypton. I would like to see her get to a point where she's like, you know, I was able to help Ruthie with this stuff. I'm done dreaming of Krypton. I need to focus on ways to help everyone else reach that point too. And I think that'd be something worth exploring. Do you have a hopeful story you'd like to see, Lex? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm coughing a, a lung over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I feel very pleasantly pleased with Supergirl right now. I'm, I, I think I want to read this one again. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Do we have, and do you have a writer you really want to see tackle Supergirl? Uh, Tilly. Definitely Tilly. I feel like that'd be really fun. I love, I, I, like love, that. I love Tilly. Tilly's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Me too. How about you, Anne? Um, I'm sticking with Jadzia for right now. Um, just cause again, there's no one that's like springing to mind for a hopeful Supergirl story. But at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of talented writers that can do it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the upcoming Brian Michael Bendis Supergirl. Okay. Wait, no, I changed my mind. Um, (laughs) I have people I'd like to see not do it. Um, that list is Jeff Johns and uh, sorry, Brian, you're nice. I like you, but Brian Michael Bendis as well. All right. Junie Mauricio. Who wants to read the Junie Mauricio question of the week? Um, I will. So Lex, unless you want to. Yes, I was going to say, I don't know if I got it. In my okay. <laughs> I got you, Lexi. I got you on this one. Question for the Supergirl Woman Tomorrow episode. Greetings from Brazil, Comics Collective peeps. My question is not about the excellent comic you're discussing, but more me asking for advice. 
Recently, the cyclical nature of Cape Comics really got to me. I've been having a very hard time getting invested in Big Two Comics. Thankfully, it's not all bad, though. It has led me to rediscovering my love for Ninja Turtles thanks to the IDW series and falling in love with their Sonic comics, too. But have you all ever gone through something similar? And if so, what do you tend to do to get out of that rut? I go I and I look and I pick one with a pretty cover that's not in those two categories. And it usually works because mm-hmm. I found Snot Girl and uh, Layla Star and mm. what other ones have I magically found? Dallas? Mooncakes uh, was fun. Mooncakes was what you found? So yeah, just go look at the cover art. <sighs> Judge a book by a cover, damn it. <laughs> I think... I have definitely felt the blech of superhero comics uh, in like, so I stopped reading in 2015 when I went to go be a missionary. But then when I came back in 2017, I tried to jump back in and I just like was not impressed with what was going on. And so it wasn't until like 2019 that I really came back. And what really brought me back was Tom King's Mr. Miracle. I read that and was like, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Comics are good again. And so my recommendation would be like to find something with a solid beginning, middle, and end that sounds interesting to you. Like mm-hmm. I would say go read, go pick a Vertigo comic that sounds cool <laughs> and just read the whole thing. Find an image comic that has an ending, which are rarer than I wish they were, and read the whole thing. Like, read all of Invincible. You know, it's... Mm -hmm. There are so many good comics that come from outside of the big two. Yeah. I mean, personally, I've never been burnt out or frustrated or angry at how the big two do things. Um, I, Not me. God knows, not me. I've never talked about that at all. But whenever I'm feeling burnt out, I will take some time and I will either do one of two things. One, I will go find the gayest book I possibly can and get invested in whatever gay obscure indie it is for just like the next week and just fall in love with absolute unfiltered cuteness which isn't allowed to exist in the big two very often or i will go back and i will reread one of my absolute favorites i will pick something off the shelf that makes me say okay good this makes the happy juice in my brain and it will remind me why i like comics and i'll just talk about that because the good thing about comics is there's always going to be something i've never read before or something i'm going to want to read again what regardless of how many batman books are coming out at once yeah uh, something that's really magical about comic books, if you don't like what's going on right now, there are 80 years mm-hmm. of stuff that have happened. <laughs> you know, like, if you're like, ugh, I don't really like anything, there's 15 years worth of Chris Claremont X-Men that is mm-hmm. all so fun. Like, my whole bottom shelf of my bookcase is Chris Claremont X-Men. Yep. And so... <clears throat> Just, I would say, go find yourself an extended run of something that makes you seem excited. Like, I mean, I think IDW Ninja Turtles is a great idea. It's a super solid run that I'd love to cover on the show at some point. But, yeah. Sorry you're feeling the weight of it all, Junie. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what's really fun? If you have the digital apps or if you just go into an LCS near you, random back issue roulette. Just start browsing and pick a cover that looks nice. Just like Lexi said, judge a book on its cover. Just pick the 
dumbest cover you possibly can and say, I'm going to read this just to see how absolutely batshit insane this is and roll with it. That it can make your day. If you expect the comic to be bad, you can enjoy it that much better. Just, just a fun thing I do sometimes. I also sometimes just like read something you wouldn't otherwise. Like I've been reading the scumbag by Rick Remender and I've been sending Anne the most horrible screenshots she's ever gotten in her life. But like, I'm having so much fun with this book. <laughs> like, it is truly unhinged. No one else should read it. But boy, am I having a good time. So, there you go. Go read something crazy. Um, Eduardo Ed writes in and says, Hey, y'all. Hope you're doing great. The questions I have for this week are, if you could have Kara have a heart-to-heart conversation with anyone in any universe, who would it be and why? I had a really good, really good one for this one. You guys go. I'm still thinking. Who do you want her to meet, Lex? See, I feel like she could really knock some sense into anybody from the Twilight universe. She could just be like, you stupid bitches. What is going on in this corner of the country? Y'all need to figure it out. Stop being so moody. All of you. I like the idea that she like shoots one of them with like her laser beams. Yeah. And they just they shine like a disco ball. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> I think that Scott Summers could really teach her a lot about what it means to be a minority as a white person. <laughs> um, I think she could get a lot of mileage out of that. God. You're terrible people. Any universe. This is going to be such, <laughs> such a deep dig. But you know what one of my favorite series was as a, a young adult? There was a James Patterson book called Daniel X. And he was... I think I, Dallas. I think you'd like it, especially. It was about this kid whose parents were um, alien bounty hunters on Earth, who just like were hunting through this like list of dangerous criminals, and they were aliens who had the ability to just like they were basically Green Lanterns, except they could just will into existence anything they wanted, and that's how they did their special shit. Except someone hunted them down and his entire species, and I think there was a lot that Supergirl could say to him that would be relatable and that no one else is going to relate to that one out there but that was the first thing i thought of so that's a that's a fun book it's so heartbreaking because he had friends as a kid and he had like a sister who wasn't born but he still talks to them because he can make whatever he wants so he makes his imaginary family and friends to hang out with and talk to very depressing depressing. but it's 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 fun you know who i think deserves an honorable mention Hmm? smiley bone Smiley Bone and Kara could get into some weird shit. <laughs> Personally, I think Phony Bone could corrupt her. Yes. I do yes. not think Phony Bone could corrupt Superman, but I think he could get Kara in on a Ponzi scheme. Especially, <laughs> no, especially with Smiley and Phony, they'd get into some wild shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Kara goes to the bar that Smiley and Phony are running. Absolute mess. To get drunk on her 21st birthday. And she's, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. Then they yeah, start tricking the um, they start tricking the um, the bar patrons into arm wrestling her. <laughs> yeah. It writes itself. <laughs> Jeff Smith, oh. friend of the pod. I know you friend listen to this. Pod. Personal friend uh, of the Lexi Taylor. Thank you. Yeah, Alexis's personal friend, Jeff Smith. Uh, you have our permission as DC Comics to write this story. <laughs> um, 
Dan DiDio will sign your checks. Um, and then Ed says, I have actually met Tom King. Jealous, Ed. I'm jealous. At a signing, and I have to say, he was super nice and cool. What's a good experience you've had with someone that you admire and or whose work you admire? Ooh, one um, time, one time, when I was 16, I was in, it was in Disneyland by myself, which was really fun because my school took us and let us loose in the wild. And I was there and I was super into makeup videos on YouTube at the time. And they had an event for all of those people, all the made up celebrities that I was invested in. And they were all in Disneyland. And I remember that I like screamed out loud when I saw one of them in the wild. And she was so nice. And she bought me a churro. Her name's Laura nice. Lee. That's wonderful. Yep, she's an angel. She has like a really that. thick southern accent. I loved it. Um, let's see. I've had good experiences with people I admire. Um, last good experience I had with someone I admire, I went to New York and stayed at his apartment for a weekend. He was really nice. Um, you don't know him. Um, also, I made N.K. Jemison laugh, laugh once, and I'm going to carry that with me to my grave. So that's... That's the that's the important thing. Both of those are on the same level of importance for me. So yeah. just so you the know. first guy's a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> certainly a really scary looking Muppet. A, a Muppet of a man. Um, I met Scott Snyder at New York Comic Con this year, and that's he awesome. he was so nice. Like as nice as you think Scott Snyder is, times it by ten, and he's that much more nice. I told him that his comic book was my first favorite comic book, which was true. His Batman run was my first favorite comic. And he genuinely seemed really touched. Like I'm, I'm sure he heard that like a hundred times that day. And he still like, he seemed touched. And I liked that. And Ryan Otley lives in, or he did a couple years ago, lived in Salt Lake City. And so one time I just messaged him on Twitter and was like, hey, homie. He is no longer a practitioner of the LDS or Mormon faith, but he was at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm about to go be a missionary for our church. Uh, Want to meet up? <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and he was like, LOL, why not? Because this was like before he was like huge. Like he was doing Invincible, but like he didn't do any Marvel work yet. And he drew me the most beautiful Spider-Man and just like hung out with me for an afternoon. And so, and then he remembered that. When I saw him at Comic-Con the next, like, three years, because he's always at Salt Lake City Comic-Con. And we had, like, this little rapport where he's like, hey, you're that kid I hung out with. And he just, like, hung out for the afternoon, and he drew me a Spider-Man. So I have a, a Ryan Otley Spider-Man from 2015 that is really cool that I'll hold on to forever. Very nice guy. Just my casual day with Ryan Otley. It was, it was also before he got jacked. So that was funny. I left, I met him and then I left my mission and came back and he was like yoked. And I was like, friend, Good for you. what, what happened? It's like, what I didn't tell you. you. It's like, what? I didn't tell you about my tennis match with Gail Simone. <laughs> that just slipped my mind. Just fighting a bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Keeping it wrapping up so we can get Dallas to bed. Um, good afternoon, Comics Collective. Super, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow is the best book I've read this year so far and probably the best Supergirl story I've ever read. I'm going to be greedy and ask two questions today if that's all right. One, where does this rank for you with other Tom King masterpieces like Vision, Mr. Miracle, and Strange Adventures, all of which I'd love to hear you discuss on the podcast? Question mark. And let, let's do that one first. 
where does this rank for you in terms of Tom King stories that you've read? Number one, because it's the only one. You read Superman Up in the Sky last week. Ha <laughs> ha, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> Get an a she says. <laughs> Still number one. <laughs> we apologize. Our co-host is on cold brain. <laughs> NyQuil brain. NyQuil is tripping me out right now. <laughs> Dallas. I like it better than Vision. I like it better than Rorschach and Strange Adventures. I do not like it more than Mr. Miracle. I do. I like uh-huh. it. I like it more than Mr. Miracle. Um, I think it's it's up there. Have you ever read Omega Men? I have not. Eric Azana wants me to read it with him. And here is my Eric, I know you listen to this, you sweet boy. I love you. Um have me on your show to read Omega Men. And I will read it. Hi, send, Eric. Send tweet Hi. to Eric. Don't forget about the rest of us. Don't you forget <laughs> about Lex. She'll be alone dancing in Utah, baby. Don't you. Hate that here, bitches. <laughs> you do your freaking Omega Men show. We're going to go watch Twilight. Ah, yes. I will reread all of them in three days just to do it. Don't think I won't. Piece but of I will cake. bitch about reading Eventable, even though I wanted to. <laughs> you're you're the best. Me. You're actually the best. <laughs> Anyways, I don't, I don't even know what my second favorite t- Tom King story is. I'm going to go on record. I don't hate his Batman run. I actually like his Batman run quite a lot. But- I've, re- I've read bits and pieces of a lot of it. The Cold Days or whatever, the 12 Angry Men riff that he does, mm-hmm. it's great. I yeah. have I have the Tom King Lee Weeks collection. Everything Lee Weeks drew with Tom mm-hmm. is in a hardcover. I thought that book ruled. I read all of those in isolation. I thought they were brilliant. Wonderful. I was like, isolation? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you are on cold medicine, aren't you? <laughs> Don't mind me. Just forget the freaking pandemic happened. Uh, to most describe this story as Supergirl meets True Grit. I, I don't know anyone who would say that. What other unex- underexplored characters would you like to see Tom King do a deep dive on and what movie or story would you like to see him pair them with to do so? I think a Batman Beyond slash Blade Runner story could be interesting or something with Firestorm or Zatanna. Thanks for keeping up with the great podcasting. Matt Keaton. Well, thank you, Matt. I think Kate Bishop and the Hunger Games. The end. <laughs> we are not doing Avengers Arena again. <laughs> I don't even oh. know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even know what that means, but she loves it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I was i'm not thinking tom king i just thought what's the best character and movie combination i could possibly get and the first thing that came to mind was wonder woman and portrait of a lady on fire horny so i'm rolling somebody with get, somebody get the spray bottle for Anne. um i one that he's already done that i thought was brilliant that no one talks about was rorschach and citizen kane like mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun that he did that, <laughs> that no one seems to... Everyone was like, Frank Miller is in this comic book! And then they all collectively had their brains slip out of their ears, and they rolled around in it on the ground. And I was like, but the book's actually really good, too. 
I'd love if we talked about it. And they're all like, we're not going to talk about it. Frank Miller's in the comic book. They rolled around in their feces. And I was like, please, somebody talk with me about Rorschach. I really like it. I just had an idea. Okay, instead of Wonder Woman, it's Batwoman, and it's Renee Montoya trying to tr- track her down and figure out who she is under the mask, and it's portraits of a bat on fire. This yes. is cinema. Oh, yes. Love that Oh, idea. yes. Sapphic energy working overtime. We got this. We can make this work. Anyways. I would love a succession slash King Lear boardroom drama of the fourth world. Okay, that could be fun. That could actually... Wait, no. Fuck. Okay, yeah, that's really good. There you go. Just casually one-up my nonsense. See, Thank you. and this is why this is his podcast, and we just work here. <laughs> wait, are you getting paid? Work? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, we have two more... Wait, we have one more question, I think. Let me, no, we? two more questions. Sorry, we got a lot of questions this week. Like 17 questions this time. Y'all like us too much. Jesus. Thanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, could you like me in a week when I don't have a cold? Please? I'm literally dying. All right. This is from Joe. Hi, all. Hope you're well. Very glad you're covering the series, and you gave me the push I needed to check it out because Boom. I read it today, and it was just fantastic. You're welcome, Joe. As I've read more and more over the years, some of my favorite big two comics have been ones that don't feel like lots of the superhero comics from them we see on the shelves. Thinking specifically of series like Strange Academy, which is a joy to read every single month, by the way. My first big question, with this Supergirl series feeling more like an epic fantasy story, what other big two books do you love or have loved that feel different in that way to most superhero comics? Uh, what so? What superhero comics have we loved that feel a little bit different from the norm? Far Sector. Yeah. Oh, that was different. <laughs> That's easy. Mm-hmm. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love a good murder mystery. A little bit different from the norm. I'm thinking Future State Aquaman. I love multiversal, just like survival. I thought that was fun. I'm also thinking. Um, I I had one. Oh, Wonder Woman Earth 1, because that's very much not your typical superhuman fair, and we'll talk about that more in June. So that's how I get out of answering this completely. Green Lantern Earth 1 ruled Ooh. so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brian Michael Bendis' Daredevil was a lot more noir than it was superhero. Similarly, Gotham Central, I felt like was an excellent in the world of superheroes, but is not a superhero comic. Um, Batman last night on earth was one of my favorite post-apocalyptic stories I've ever read. Very good one. Uh, Harleen was a good one. Yes. That's such a good one. Good romance comic there. Um, there's, there's more. There's just so many comics to sort through in my head. I think the Hellblazer comics are always pretty fun. Those aren't your normal superhero fare. I don't know. Lots of good stuff. A lot of good comics in the world. Yeah, there's some good stuff to read. I do think Tom King is very good at what you just asked. Like, I, like I, I, little scoop here for the Comics Collective listeners. I am going to help script a YouTube video about Strange Adventures. 
with my friend Brian in the near future. So you can hear some of my thoughts about one of my favorite Tom King books that not a lot of people talk about. Very excited to hear that one. I think it will be good. Mm -hmm. All right. Secondly, what was your favorite issue of the series? While I did think all issues were beyond fantastic, number three in particular stuck out to me when I first read it and has stayed with me since. A bit like in Saga, how everything is filtered through Hazel's narration, I thought there was a childlike nuance to it, which was equally fascinating and frankly chilling. Everybody's favorite issue? Um, I'm going to go four, because it's either four or six. Flip a coin. But you, Lex? I like the last one the most. I liked when she fought that giant pirate ship. Was that eight or seven? Seven. I think that was seven. I thought that was quite neat. Yeah, I would say seven and eight because I like the pirates. They were fun. I'm so sure. Sh- oh, the pirates were cool. Sorry. Number six. Number six also ruled. Just basically also, all of them. Number five also ruled. And three and four were pretty good too. Surprised you didn't say the dinosaur one. I thought you were. Huh? Anyway. I already just gushed about that one, so I felt the need to say something else. <laughs> Honorable mention for every single other issue in the run. Yeah. Very good. Honorable mention for issue nine. Oh, wait. We huh? weren't that lucky. No. Women only get eight issues. <laughs> Plants are 12 or yeah. 16. Oh. Swamp Thing is so good. You <laughs> <laughs> be nice to Swamp Thing. He's just a big bush. Leave him alone. He is so good. All right. Lastly, to end out this one-two punch of Tom King super family books, what other books he's written apart from this and Up in the Sky is your favorite. I enjoyed his Batman more than most, and in my opinion, Mr. Miracle and The Vision are modern classics. I will say I have yet to finish Strange Adventures, but I want to eventually. Human Target has also been great so far. I agree, Joe. I'm, I can feel the lasers on me now. I love Human Target. I hope that wasn't too long of an email. All the best, Joe. Favorite Tom King books? Question. Is this the vision that you and I read? That yes. talking about? Yeah, oh. also by Tom King. Ah, I read that one too. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Look at me. I, uh, oh. I know books, guys. Wow. Up, up in the Sky is really good. Um, I really like Omega Men. His exactly one issue Green Lantern um, tie-in to that Justice League Dark Side War or whatever it was was the only good part about that event. So that's something really good to check out if you haven't yet. Um, Batman Killing Time is going on right now and it is very good. Um, Mr. Miracle is... I, I would be hard-pressed to point to another comic published in the 2010s that I think is better than Mr. Miracle. I think it's incredibly dense. I think it, there's a reason that book put Tom King on the map. And I think it is the bar that people have been trying to hit since it came out. Like I, I think it's a technical masterpiece and I think it's a really stirring personal story yeah. on, on par with some of the work of Alan Moore, which mm-hmm. is the biggest compliment I can give anything. Dark side is indeed final, but, but so are we, so are we. Thank you. Final, final question for this week from our lovely Dan. Hello, Comics Collective. I hope you're all doing well. The question I have is a little strange, but I hope 
that's all right. A while ago, I was introduced to one of the members of this podcast due to a thread they did about this book on Twitter. I think I know which thread you're talking about. Given this, I'm curious if a comic or just any book you've read has ever led you to meeting people or making new friends. Very excited for the Woman Tomorrow episode. I'm sure it'll be worth waiting for. Have a lovely rest of the week, Dan. Oh, what a sweet little question. I don't know, Dallas. Has reading a book ever introduced you to new, exciting people? Hmm. No. uh same old same old people for sure uh no i'm just kidding i the very first dm i ever sent Anne, who is now one of my best friends in the world was asking if she was excited for future state aquaman which turns out the answer was yes she was excited just a little bit when you went back and told me that was what our first message was about i'm like no freaking because that was that felt like eons ago million years a million years and actually a million years but that's my favorite thing about starting this twitter account being on this podcast is just these books and the relationships we form with them lead us to relationships with people who feel the same way that we do about them and even people that feel differently about books than we do and i think that's the special thing about the age we live in and about how we're able to share our thoughts and opinions on all these so i think that's awesome yes i also want to give a little shout out uh brad and lisa gullickson from the comic book (laughs) couples counseling have always made me feel like the coolest kid on the block and i don't think you guys realize how much that means to people like i don't know anybody else that like feels as big and cool as you two that i see interact with everybody so kindly and like that meant a lot to me when i was first getting this podcast started that like you guys were my number one supporters like right from the gate mm-hmm. so thank you for that that is very true brad and lisa are amazing they just are. yeah when we post this episode if you could let us know <clears throat> what story we read that brought you here to either either of us personally or to this podcast as a whole we'd love to hear it yes. i'd love to see those connections that so would be fun yeah tell us tell us your first comics collective episode that sounds we'll so read fun. the most exciting one off next week if alexis remembers to do that we will do it i will do it <laughs> i will come out of twitter hiding <sighs> just kidding uh you know i do have to honorable mention i am not on twitter i'm not on the twitter i will stroke i am not on twitter very often but when i do salise is always very nice in my dms and will send me book recommendations so shout out to salise he's good people don't let him know i said that (laughs) he won't he doesn't listen to the show we do talk a lot of shit about you but that's all right he also has a really good podcast the um the brotherhood of dada that it is so good Mm -hmm. i love the brotherhood of dada great podcast um, should we do our end notes? Should we end this episode so I can edit it? I suppose so, yes. I mean, I could go to bed. <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay, if you like the show and want to hear more from us, can't imagine why you would, um, throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter accounts at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five star. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, give us a five-star review, and we will read off on the show. Always watching, Wazowski. Always <laughs> watching. I'm going to quit. <laughs> and finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see y'all next week. Hopefully I'm healed by then. Jesus. <laughs> but we will, we will we be doing BFF Matt. Matt Draper for yeah. anatomy lesson. Hmm. Yep. Matt Draper's coming to talk Swamp Thing, the anatomy lesson. Single issue. One issue of comics, Lex. One issue. See, that's why I love Matt the most. <laughs> He's pretty One. great. So, yeah. Master of YouTube, Comic Tube Extraordinaire, Matt Tube Extraordinaire, Matt Draper mm-hmm. is coming to talk with us about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. So stay tuned, folks. Yeah. You're the best. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.